A Bad Impressionist. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. For whatever reason, there are five competing immersive Van Gogh exhibits traveling the U.S. right now. Immersive Van Gogh, Van Gogh the Immersive Experience, Van Gogh Alive, and Imagine Van Gogh the Immersive Exhibition. What is happening? I'm already fired up about this because I have been aggressively advertised one of many immersive, interactive Van Gogh experiences. And if you're listening to this and you have two, we're going to get into it. There's there's a billboard above the taco truck across the street <laughs> from my apartment that had the one of those five. Oh my I don't God. know which one. What? Why? Why I didn't now? Know there were five. I thought there was just one is enough. But. No, there are five is enough, and that's just in the US too. There are more outside the US. To really understand it, we have to go back to 2005, where a computer programmer named David Brooks came across a reference to the Dutch painter Vincent van Gogh in one of the Dune novels. The book references the Van Gogh painting Thatched Cottages at Cordville. Brooks went to the Musée d'Orsay to check it out and became a Van Gogh-obsessed man. So much so that he created a comprehensive, meticulously constructed online gallery of Van Gogh's work, which is at vangoghgallery.com. Brooks scanned and displayed the highest quality reproductions of every one of Van Gogh's remaining 2,200 works and all of his 800-some surviving artist letters. The site became his job financially and emotionally. Then he started making friends at, you know, Van Gogh museums and historians and, and branched out. And one of these friends emailed him about a site that she thought he should know about called About Van Gogh Art. So this is a commercial site that sells Van Gogh shit, you know, like lunchboxes and t-shirts and like you you get a reproduction of a Van Gogh thing on whatever, a stuffed animal or a hat. All of the art images and letters had been copied straight from Brooks's site and reposted here at this Van Gogh, about Van Gogh art.com. To Brooks, it felt like a complete betrayal and invasion, a kind of digital art heist. But also, it wasn't, not at least in the eyes of the law. Van Gogh died in 1890, which meant that all of the Van Gogh images were in the public domain for over 70 years. So it means it was legal to use and reproduce. Obviously, that doesn't account for all of the time that Brooks put into learning about the pieces and painstakingly scanning them and really becoming a kind of archivist of the Van Gogh works. Brooks called the owner of the website, a tennis instructor named Ernst Coors, to complain about it, but Coors would not budge. And without a costly legal fight, the rights of the works of art Brooks doesn't technically own could be there and exist there. And there's really nothing that he could do. The Battle of the Immersive Van Gogh Experiences is a lot like the contemporary equivalent to the Battle of the Van Gogh websites of 2010. And again, 2010, not that long ago, but this one is on steroids. While it's hard to know which Van Gogh immersive experience was the first, some say it was Van Gogh Alive in 2011. Most really didn't come about till after that, 2015 maybe, and they all did okay. But again, if you would have asked me in 2015, had I heard of a Van Gogh immersive art experience, I'd have been like, no, I can just go see a Van Gogh in a gallery, add an exhibition, travel, and have my own experience around this artist. But fast forward to the beginning of 2021 in the United States. We're getting vaxxed. We're coming out of a pandemic. We can't travel to Europe yet. What are we to do? Well, let's 
go to one of these things, I guess. This is where I start getting these aggressive social media ads for at least two different versions of the Van Gogh immersive experience. I've gotten them in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. One definitely from the European-based seller and business chameleon, Fever. So we're going to talk about Fever, but first we're going to take a little break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Fever is happening. They're advertising aggressively to me and others like me, maybe you. But then the hit show that is Emily in Paris, which is just like Paris and clothing porn, uses Immersive Van Gogh and films some scenes in it. I actually haven't seen this myself, but this really bumps the sales and interest in Immersive Van Gogh everything. We get more reviews. We get people looking into what this experience actually is, especially in New York. Cool. Okay. So Fever entered the ring with lots of different things. It is a European-based experience selling company. And this has tastes and twinges of like fire Festival stuff. You're like, I don't know what this is. I can't really get to them. Their website is kind of elusive. But they entered the ring with Dining in the Dark and their own Van Gogh Zoom and in-person show, charging the highest prices of all of these shows. Think $78 versus the standard $30 to $40 admission price. That's what most of these experiences go for realistically and competing in the same cities and dates as Imagine Van Gogh specifically. If you really want to not ever buy a ticket to this, go to Fever's Better Business Bureau page, which is loaded with complaints. The complaints range from anything from the show not happening on Zoom, the link being dead, to paying too much money, not being able to get a refund, to going to something that they didn't realize wasn't even a thing or at a different location or a strange date, or they bought a ticket to one thing and they got a ticket to something totally different. The company was accused of ripping off a Boston media site to try to sell tickets too. Fever posed as a company called Secret Boston and with almost the exact same logo as Secret Media Boston, an actual legit company that sells literally the same product as Fever, an immersive Van Gogh experience. Are you getting sick of me saying immersive Van Gogh experience yet? So why is this all happening? I, I It's hard to say. I mean, again, I think people want to go out. They want to experience something. And of course, the story of Van Gogh is very interesting. The experience of Van Gogh's art is very kid-friendly. So I think bringing kids to different things. I mean, his story is not kid-friendly, just putting that out there and making that explicit. But all of this happening, we're all like desperate for experience and connection. And a lot of these things, you know, were inaccessible to us for so long. Also, we can't really see a lot of his works in America. Europe isn't open yet. And of course, above all of this is making money. People love to make money. These companies love to make money. And Van Gogh, his works and his letters are all fair use. So you can rip as much as you want off of Van Gogh himself or any other immersive experience because 
It is there for the taking. It's there to make a buck off the public. I have a lot of feelings about this, but I think former art critic and visual artist William Pauhita says it best. These experiences are designed to create crowd-pleasing versions of an artist's existence who didn't sell any work in his lifetime. There's an irony to seeing an artist whose work didn't have that kind of economic value be turned into a tourist attraction. I'll say, making money, fine. But at least deliver what you promise. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a scam, if it's overcharging, if it's undercharging, if it's giving a lackluster product, at least give people what you're promising them. Mm -hmm. At the very least, when you're getting essentially... You don't have to license the material. Yeah. You just need the bandwidth of the internet and some time to make money off of someone else's work. And listen, we talk about other things that have happened to other people. We, mm-hmm. we didn't, we don't create, I'm glad we don't create the stuff that we talk yeah. about. That would be pretty, pretty problematic. At least we deliver what we say we're going to deliver. Yeah. And I, I think we're not, I think you're right about that. I think a lot of what we do mirrors this, where it's like, this is information that's free for the public. You can take it at at will and use with it what you want to use with it and about it. With us, it's like the expectations are very low. You know, with the idea of someone's whole body of work and someone as iconic as Vincent van Gogh, I think a lot of people have expectations around that experience and around that art itself. And not to say that it's right, but there's this kind of a sacredness around these, you know, oil paintings from the turn of the century. You know, I think there's a lot of things not the turn of the century, older than that, for the record. But I think there's a lot of things that people revere about fine art. And when it gets exploited, just like anything else gets co-opted or exploited, it gets it feels even more of a slight. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I think that that is perhaps some of the sentiment around the people who have complained about this company. You don't want to deprive people of seeing art, but you also don't want to fleece them for their money yeah. for them to do it and capitalize on the fact is like you don't have many options Mm -mm. so you're you're kind of in our death grip exactly and i think texas monthly called it like walking into a screensaver so you're really not getting much when i think of van gogh some people just have an interest in vincent van gogh but there's a song by jonathan richmond Mm -hmm. who's in this band the modern lovers Mm -hmm. 70s kind of a proto-punk called vincent van gogh and if you need a little tiny something <laughs> that I think will kind of boost your whatever that thing is, serotonin, whatever, whatever boost the little happiness in you. Yeah, serotonin. Boost that serotonin. Listen to Jonathan Richmond's, uh, ver- I mean, there's a couple different versions, uh, but it's the janglier version of Vincent Van Gogh. I think it will make you feel better. And if you want to know who he is, if you've seen uh, something about Mary, mm. he was the musician kind of playing throughout okay. it, you know, with the acoustic guitar. Yeah. That's Jonathan Richmond, kind of a, kind of an iconic Post proto punk, you know. That. Yeah, so that's you wow, know, I got all we the I got from, music trivia from fine art to something about Mary. We really take you everywhere. Mm-hmm. 